In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In the Pits podcast for 10% off your entire order. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite. Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X-Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning In the Pits. To sign up for a class, message at Paintball Kumite on Instagram. In the Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing, 20% off Get That Shot merch, and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message Get That underscore Shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a Get That Shot program team. Welcome everyone to episode 23 of In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast is focused on everything that has to do with the paintball scene here in Texas, from professional players and teams to new divisional programs, local tournament series, field owners, Texas-based brands, even photographers and videographers. Every week, we will have a short and sweet episode with a new topic and special guest. I'm Christian Smith. I'm a player for the Texas Titans, and this episode, we are going in the pits with Nathan Roberts, player for AC Diesel. Nathan, how are you doing this evening? Doing awesome, man. Just came in from Houston, back at my family's house. Uh... Hanging out, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, yeah, you were telling me that drive was a little bit crazy today. Yeah, there was a huge wreck. The whole highway got shut down, basically. So sorry for the delay, everybody. Um, I was in standstill traffic. Yeah, no worries there. I mean, uh, we're we're basing off of your schedule. You know, we're all we're doing here is just telling your story. So, uh, Nathan, first, uh, how are you recovering from Cup? So we heard that you tore something in the very first point of the the first match, and then. You just ended up playing through it anyway. Yeah. So the very first point I, I did dislocated my kneecap and in doing so I tore one of the ligaments that sort of stabilizes it. Um, so I ended up just sitting out the rest of the first match, but getting into the, uh, the second day I wore a heavy duty brace um, and just kind of played through it with limited mobility. Uh, but it's been feeling better now. I think, I think a couple months recovery, but I'll be definitely good for the new year. And I don't think any surgeries or anything. Okay, good. So you're not expecting to miss any events uh, for the next season? No, I shouldn't. I'll just I'll just make sure to take care of it over this off season and should be good to go. Okay, good, good. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds like uh, at least a few people that I've talked to have gotten season injury season ending injuries this year. Like uh, or a couple episodes ago, I was talking to Devin Stewart. He had a season ending surgery. Um, just a couple other guys out there. Uh, so glad to hear that it's nothing too, too serious and you'll be, uh, fully healed up. So, uh, so Nathan, so for those listening that maybe don't know so much about you or your history, how long have you been involved in the Texas paintball scene? Uh, so it's been since I, I started playing paintball when the ego nine was like the gun. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that was Oh nine, 2010. Um, so it's been about 12 or 13 years now that I've been, uh, playing and i'd say competitively about a decade i think i started playing competitively with the ac program in 2012 oh wow so you've been you've been with ac for 
Oh, since 2012, that's just over 10 years now. We're going into mm-hmm. year 11. So um, what teams have you played for over the years? Uh, my first team ever was North Texas Shockwave. Um, I think they are now not a team currently, but uh, I got my start with Bill Elmore and them. Um, and basically from there, we had like a line that we were pretty good with. And a lot of us went over to AC Dallas when we formed in uh, mid-season of 2012. AC as a program started at the beginning of 2012 with AC402. Um, and Greg was looking for like a, a D4 team to create with like a bunch of younger people. And that's what AC Dallas was. It was a bunch of young kids that um, we were trying to develop into a pro spot. So that happened in 2012. Um, and then in college, I had to take a break from the game for a second. And when I came back, uh, I joined up with AC Diesel, which was like the feeder team at the time for Dallas. Gotcha. Yeah. Um so for those who uh, don't know so much about my background, uh, me and Nathan were actually in college together at the University of Texas, uh, played together for a few events in the NCPA scene with the Texas Longhorns. Uh, some good times. I mean, you say that you you stepped away from the game, but really you uh, stayed somewhat consistent, at least playing an event or two a year with, um, you know, with us, with uh, going over to Europe. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. Shout out the Longhorn. Shout out Amsterdam Heat. Um, in that off time, I kind of really what I meant by off time is just taking it less seriously. Mm. Um, and I kind of got that through college ball and then also getting to travel in Europe and play with those guys. Yeah. Uh, you definitely stayed involved and you stayed at the top of your game. I mean, looking at your record in Europe, especially. So, um, Mm. so for as long as you've been involved in the Texas scene, I mean, shoot, just you know, 10 years just alone in the, uh, in the AC program, like what are some things that have changed inside the Texas scene for better or for worse? Yeah. Um, Texas has grown a lot over the past 10 years. I remember when we started, it was a lot of like what would be offered to you was like street ball days where you just go out and kind of play with whoever's there. And you hope that there's 10 guys to play five on fives with nowadays. It's like, it's so organized. There's so many teams playing everywhere. Like you don't really have to play street ball so much anymore. It's um, it's really, really been developed. I think that's between what X factor has done in San Antonio and then what Greg has done to develop sort of the Dallas scene. It's just really strong in Texas. Now I'd say it's, you know, between Florida, Texas and uh, Cali, those are the big three basically for paintball. Absolutely. I think uh, looking at not just those two scenes, but, how the Austin scene is developed with Notorious going pro with uh, how explosive Houston has started to come up and they just had the new field megaton wasteland um, just being finished. And that looks like a beautiful field. So I can see a lot of teams coming out of that, uh, out of that scene. I hadn't even heard of that field. Yeah. Uh, it's um, from what I've seen, it looks um or at least some some people, given their testimony, they said it's going to be like on the same level as uh, fit in terms of how nice the field is. So I'm I'm looking forward to going to visit it, and it, that's great for the Houston scene. Yeah, that'll be that'll be huge. That'll be super awesome. Um, if anybody is getting close to the standard that fit has kind of set for paintball, that's a great thing. Oh yeah, and I mean not just. Dallas, San Antonio, you got Austin, you got Houston, you got the Valley, you got players coming from all over in Texas. And now like everybody is trying to, uh, you know, chase that standard that 
fit has set and you're starting to see it with just how many teams in Texas are just dominant on the national scene now. That's so true. I was, um, it's funny you say that I was looking at just overall the season standings for all the different divisions and like kind of looking at where Texas was. It's amazing. We're in the top three of basically every single division, you know, um, and there's, there's podiums and, and wins really, uh, throughout all those divisions throughout the year. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Oh yeah. And it's, it's great that it's like for a long time it was fit, but it's, uh, not just fit like currently, like mm-hmm. you've got like the Texas Cyclones coming out of Houston. They're consistently in, you know, usually top four in D three. Um, you've got in, uh, division one, obviously you've got fit.com. You've got Austin notorious and division four. You've got tribe. Who's, uh, won I think two or three events in D four X ball. Um, mm-hmm. lots of teams in Texas just, uh, going on top in the national scene. Yeah. And I, well, I think I said this already about the organization, but I think one of the huge driving factors is that when you look at all these different organizations, there's, there's like this buy-in and there's, there's, there's a leader to it. Like Texas Cyclone, there's obviously like they have a good direction. They've got funding and they've got a buy-in to what they're doing and they're, they're doing well. Same is true with the Austin scene with Notorious. And then obviously all the fit teams are just very organized with how that culture has kind of grown. Yeah. And another indicator of that is that a lot of these teams, it's not just like one team in one division. They've got a whole program. Uh, usually spanning like D5, D4, and D3. So Cyclones have got multiple lines. Heck, even down in San Antonio, we've got Texas Titans. You've got the Dragoons, multiple teams. you got um, Innocent Bystanders. Like all of these organizations that have multiple lines across multiple divisions. And like everybody's super invested in bringing in new talent every year. And so like you're seeing D5 and D4 in USXBL every year is just a bloodbath. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the the foundation of paintball in Texas is it's really awesome, and it's we're we're building a true pyramid now, um, like how any competitive sport should be. For sure, and I think this upcoming year you're gonna see that even more with uh, that growth kind of into those higher like D three D two divisions, and and that really opening up in Texas. I hope so, man. I hope I hope we get expanded, and I hope the USXBL expands too to um, you know add more competitive divisions and let as as we kind of build these really high highly talented players that they have a place to play. For sure. Uh, so talking about like you've been with the AC program for over ten years at this point. Uh, tell me about like your history and how you got your start in there. Yeah. Um, so it was me and Michael Diaz. Um, we were playing on shockwave at the time and we saw this pb nation post from uh greg Pauly, and he he's just putting out a flyer like hey tryouts for a d4 ac team and we knew greg's history from um vicious and then from texas storm with what he had been doing directly in the texas scene so we knew he was a guy that could take us to the top and could, could teach us paintball um so diaz told me he was like we have to go to this and like and try and like um, see what can come of it. So it's just one day at Fort, we tried out and we're standing behind Greg's truck and he's like, do y'all want to do this? Uh, we committed and that was when we kind of decided that we're going to take this AC thing and we're going to take it as far as we can to the pro level. Um, 
but it's crazy, man, to see to see how far it's come and to see like where we had about four like fifteen year old kids at the time on the team. Um, and to see what it's grown into and like professional nature of it. It's really cool to see that um I mean, Greg is one of the earliest examples of this, you know, professional name getting into like these divisional programs and really building talent from the ground up. And Greg was one of the earliest to do it in the Texas scene. And now you're seeing it a lot more with guys like Nico Hyde coaching the Austin hypnotic team. You've got Devin Stewart, who's coaching the outlaw anodizing guys in Houston, uh, in San Antonio, you've got Jesse Stevens and Colt Roberts working with the Titans, working with the dragoons and, uh, all of all of these like pros being brought in to like coach D five D four D three like that was unheard of just you know like two three years ago and now it's like a serious arms race going on in Texas. For sure, I mean, and I think I think part of that is that that there's all these young and hungry people that like do want to soak up the knowledge. Like for a while, like when all those guys you mentioned, Nico and Devin, we were all on the grind, like just trying to establish ourselves. And there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of time to be uh, trying to help others. And then also like, you know, those other teams were also on their grind. It just wasn't the culture of Texas. Um, but it's come to a point now. Yeah. Where like, they're all established. They can spend time to coach. And there's so many hungry people that like, it's, it's nice to be able to teach and have people willing to learn. Um, I think is what I'm getting at. And that's kind of the scene now. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's going to really help explode the growth. Um, just even faster in Texas. And suddenly like we're going to be filling up division three, division two, like even with the new bunker fest series coming in, uh, they've got premier, which is D one. And then you can have a pro on that team, similar to uh, WC. And I hope that, within a few years we can fill that up with just Texas teams and not having have all these outside teams like Colorado, Florida, California to fly in to compete in that. I think we can just fill it up on our own. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's the direction that Texas is going. Um, you can make an argument that Texas is the spot now um, to kind of come up in paintball and to learn solid paintball. Nobody wants to mess with Texas teams on the national stage. I'll tell you that it's just like the teams that come out of the WC um, everybody knows they're going to be super competitive with anybody. Absolutely. And I, um, I do want to see that, uh, as soon as like this, the higher divisions start opening up for these players, like we still got guys in Texas that once they hit D three, D two, D one, like they kind of disappear. Um, you've got guys like, uh, Trent Nitta who went over to play with the Ironmen, California. You've got Cal Leach who, was playing with the Casey Missouri All-Stars for the past couple of seasons. Like, let's keep these guys here. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you know, it's it's tough. Everybody, everybody wants to do their own story. And some people do just kind of want to explore the world. Um, and I get that, not stay in Texas. It's kind of paintball's great in that um nobody is really making that much money. So you do what you want to do with it. Um, for me, I like to play local and stay local. Um, some guys are interested in that traveling. Um, but you're, but I think, I think the better point here is that as we get more competitive, we are going to sort of keep those guys and make them want to stay. Cause, um, yeah, it'll just be, it'll just make sense for them. Absolutely. I think just the option really hasn't been there historically until, until now. So 
Uh, kind of keeping talking about uh, your time with AC Dallas. So you were on the original AC Dallas line uh, and you helped them turn pro back in uh, the 2014-2015 season. And at the time, you were one of the youngest uh, players in the pro division, if not the youngest player. So how was that experience winning the pro spot uh, back in 2014? And like, did you find yourself like being so young? Was there any added pressure on you? Yeah, so I'll just kind of walk you through our timeline of um, Dallas's road to pro. Uh, we spent half a year in D4 that first year in 2012 when we formed the team, and we did well. I think we got second our first event. Um, and then we spent a year in Division Three, um, did well, and then Greg decided to make a big jump to Division One, and that was our 2013-14 year uh, where we won two events. Uh, we won Dallas, which was the first event, and then we won the West Coast, which I think was the fourth event. Um, it was a crazy ride for us. It was, it came down to world cup. Um, it came down to a three on five, to be honest. We, uh, we were playing the RNT all-stars at cup and we, our prelims weren't going well. It was our last prelim game. Um, one of our guys got a major, so we have to start three on five on this point. And it's, it's kind of like a win or go home point for us and win, win or go home as in lose the pro spot, go home. Um, and we pulled off the point. Uh, Greg had me run snake on the break. And at the time coaching was allowed, I could have basically closed my eyes and just point and shot where he told me. Um, and it worked out. I got a couple kills and we were able to pull off this three on five and sort of save our season and go into pro. Um, and then, yeah, being, being so young and pro was definitely tough. Um, I think there's a level of maturity in pro that, um, you need to have like a level of calmness and just kind of take the punches as they come. And then the other thing that I think was really tough for me personally, uh, when we went pro, that was the year that coaching stopped, sideline coaching stopped. Um, and my game was kind of like predicated on me and Greg being able to communicate throughout the game. Um, that was kind of like how we got a ton of kills um, in our semi-pro year and how we did so well. Um, so that was a big adjustment for me was figuring out paintball when I have to figure it out and I don't have an extra set of eyes that can help me. Um, so between those two things, just being young, being, I'm still in high school at the time, you know, you're playing with people that are way older than you. And in a way I was kind of expected to be part of the leadership because I'm the only, um, really original member of the team at this point. Um, so yeah, it was just a tough role for somebody at my age and dealing with people that are a decade older than you. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience doing that. Um, so there was a lot of pressure the first year and I think it showed in our scoring. We didn't do so hot, um, but it was a learning year. We did well and I think we all matured. And if you look at the roster of those early AC Dallas teams, we were stacked. Um, if you were to put those players all on a team now, we would be a very competitive team that people would be worried about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got alumni of the original AC squad on other top teams. I mean, you've got the Jackson brothers. Um, you've got TJ Danner coming down to X factor. Jackson brothers are off, you know, killing it with impact. Now uh, who else was on there? Brad McCurley, I think was on that original pro line as well. He came a little couple of years later, but it was it was Brandon Mayo, uh, TJ, uh, the Jackson brothers, myself. Um, interestingly, Jesse Stevens was playing on our semi-pro team at the time, and so is Ryan Hall. 
Um, but they eventually came over. We also had Mark Johnson um, and some other guys. So if you like, yeah, I think if you put some of those original squads together now, uh, we'd be giving a, people a run for their money. Oh yeah. I mean, just going back to just how, how good the talent in Texas is and all of those guys are top players on other teams now. Like I think Meter Ninos was with y'all for a little bit as well. Yeah, actually, yeah. Dimitri was there. He was our he was there for the whole first year. He was like one of the vets on the team, amazingly at the time. Um, you know, he he'd been in the pro league for a couple of years, but he was kind of like seen as leadership. Yeah, just a very, very stacked team. And um, you know, just talking a little bit more about uh, AC Dallas as they were going forward like you ended up taking a break from the pro squad uh, you know after you came to college you were an undergrad but you didn't quit playing so you still played again with the Longhorns with uh, the semi-pro squad AC Diesel you played uh, in Europe with Amsterdam Heat and then you also played you know a, a 10-man event or two in there so uh, you played a lot of different series, and which one would you say was your uh, favorite experience out of all of those? Uh, by far, hands down, playing in Europe was awesome. Um, if you ever have the chance, this goes out to everybody, if you ever have the chance to play in Europe, take it. Um, they don't treat paintball the same as us. They treat it as like a vacation. Um, they're all there just kind of hanging out. They don't take the competition too seriously. Um, and it's four pods limit, which is, uh, it's a, it changes the whole style of the game. It makes it faster and more fun to play. You don't have to be so patient. Um, I think that's probably the most enjoyable part is just going out there with a light pack and being able to just like actually play paintball. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about playing in Europe, especially from Jesse. He uh, loved his experience this past year playing with uh, Breakout Spa. He wants to go back. Um, Heard lots of great things. Um, so, excuse me. Uh, so, you know, during that time, AC Dallas, you know, while you stepped away, they were usually running a really light line. Like they only had like six or seven guys at events. It was usually like Jackson Brothers, TJ, who, by the way, was hurt for a lot of that time. Um, mm -hmm. Brad McCurley, uh, Ryan Hall when he came up. And that was, you know, pretty much it. Uh, I think they added BJ Henningberg uh, right right at the end before um, that whole line kind of left and he swapped over to Diesel. But um, one of the, you know, that line was always really close to winning events. Like they had like four or five different second place finishes uh, throughout that time. So um, like, do you think, as far as that line, I mean, I know you were you were kind of away and on the diesel squad at that time, but um, do you think there was anything like like a missing piece or anything like that that could have helped that team, uh, you know, propel to a first place finish? They they were so close. I think I think they just got super unlucky with those finals matches. Um, they were as competitive as anybody, and you know, during that stretch. Uh, they were like, they never lost to Dynasty, I think. Um, they just had a few, like, just a few bad finals matches. I think if they had another year together, they would have gotten one. Um, but you're right. It was essentially the core three, the Jackson brothers plus TJ playing the back line. And then they would have Brad and the Doritos, and they basically would plug in a fifth guy to be the one on the snake. 
Um, I think they had somebody new almost every season. Like Mike Warren was there for a while. They had Brandon Morales from Thunder. Um, I think even Axel played a couple mat- a couple of tournaments with them. Um, but that was basically what the strategy, right? You would run those three in the back, and then Brad and the Doritos with um, just a a one for the snake side, whoever it would be. Um, and yeah, man, they just. I, I don't think they needed any more help. I think they just needed more chances and they were going to get it. Um, I mean, luckily, uh, Fuzz got to win some now with Impact. And he's going to win more, of course. Um, and they all still have great chances of winning on the, their respective teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Brad as well won in Dallas this year with, uh, mm-hmm. with damage. So and and. TJ uh, with X Factor is always, you know, knocking at the door. I think they're definitely gonna uh, have at least a finals appearance next year, if not another win. Um, so all all of the guys on that squad, uh, you know, Ryan Hall as well with Infamous. Uh, they I think mm-hmm. they had a finals appearance as well, uh, either this year or last year. Yeah, I think yeah, I think last year they were super strong, and I think maybe it was even the first event last year they got second. Yeah. All right, so. Uh, Kind of uh, before we continue, everybody in the chat, uh, welcome. If you have something that you'd like to ask Nathan, go ahead and type your questions in the chat. We'll get to it towards the end of the show. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you get those, and we're gonna get there right at the end. I've got a segment dedicated to it. So, uh, if I don't ask it right away, just be patient. I see all of the questions. Uh, so, continuing, um, you know, even through undergrad even through your uh, medical school and your clinic you know your current clinical rotations uh, you're still playing at the very top level and you're not really seeing any fall off in your playing abilities you know you're still one of the top snake players in the league and even with you know limited time is there anything that you do personally to keep your paintball skills in shape or have you you know pretty much just put in all of the work over the last you know 10 15 years yeah um i think so I think at this point, the biggest thing that I do for myself is stay in shape. Um, there's a noticeable difference when I go out and play paintball, I'm out of shape. I think um, my game is predicated around my decision-making and my mobility. Um, so the more exercise I do and the more cardio I do, um, my mobility is better. And I think that makes my game better. As far as like gun skills and going to the field and practicing, I don't get a ton of time to do that. Um, but the beautiful thing about paintball is it's more chess than um, than it is actual gun skills. Um, I would argue most of the game these days is pretty cerebral and more about making the right decision than it is about winning the gunfight. I, I actually tell a lot of my teammates, don't fight, just don't. Um, just call for help. Because a fight's a 50-50 battle, um, whereas as a team, we can win 80% of the time. Um, and that, in the end, that's all you want to do is play percentages. So yeah, I think... I think the the biggest thing I do with limited time is just staying in shape, whatever whatever form that takes for you. Uh, for me, I like to run a lot. Gotcha. I mean, you see it a lot in the in the pro division with a lot of guys. Like they're only really playing at the field with uh, the two layout weekends before maybe they'll get together um, another weekend just to have a team practice and uh, all get back on the same page. But um, in the pro division anyway there's there's not a whole lot of like just continuous grind it it seems like once once you've made it into the pro spot right i mean and so the other thing that goes along with that is 
when you play with a group of people for so long, chemistry builds. Um, and that's one of the one things like that you actually need to spend time at the field is working with your boys and figuring out your chemistry. Like you need to know the guy next to you's body language. Um, but I've been with the same guys now for a decade. So um, stepping on the field is, is nothing like in terms of like picking up where we left off. Um, and uh, we never have problems with me uh, coming and going the way I do. Um, everybody understands my situation and it's, it really is like, um, just kind of picking up right where we left off. Everybody's happy to have it. Well, that must be a somewhat unique thing that you see, uh, in paintball at least. Uh, so, mm -hmm. um, I mean, with your history as well, I mean, you've always been a top competitor. You've not only like been a pro for so long for 10 going into 11 years now, um, you've also helped not just one, but two teams turn pro uh, first with AC Dallas back in 2014. And then uh, AC Diesel won the pro spot in 2019. So uh, Diesel, they were very consistently dominant uh, in semi-pro in 2019. They always finished in the top five. Uh, obviously, that was the year that uh, the Tauntauns came over and played semi-pro and uh, threw a wrench in things. And if they had played the first event, maybe they would have won the pro spot. Um, but, uh, going from pro and then back to semi-pro and then to pro once again, uh, have you found a significant difference in the level of competition between the two divisions? Yeah, there's, so the way I like to, sorry, this is my doggy. Um, the way I like to describe the difference between pro and semi-pro or really broader, more broad, even just divisional paintball versus pro paintball, um, divisional paintball is the trenches, man. It's a grind down there. Uh, you're getting overshot. The refs are making bad calls. It's a real grind, and it's sometimes it's luck of the draw in the divisionals. It's 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 really tough to win in semi-pro in any of those divisions. Mm. Um, whereas in pro, I think the game is just more buttoned up, right? Like people don't. I mean, there is some overshooting, but people don't really overshoot. They're just shooting their zones. The refs are really on it. They're there at every event. You kind of know them. Um, so it's like divisional is a grind, whereas when you get to the pro level, it's it is more professional and like people take their jobs more seriously. There's less emotion in the game. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's you go from like this this grind attitude and this like, all right, this match could go any way possible to in the pro. You kind of sort of know what the other team's going to do. They know what you're going to do. Uh, and it's more of this like strategic battle. Gotcha. So, um, do you have any advice or tips for any teams out there in divisional or in semi-pro, uh, that are looking to be successful at the national level? Do you have any advice to give them? Yeah. Y'all just got to spend time together, man. Um, chemistry is huge on these fields. Um, and communication is really key. I think communication is the key to winning games. Um, so just work on that with your boys, come up with zone calls, come up with all the codes you need for whatever it is. Uh, but just don't stop grinding. If it's what you want, then just come and take it. Uh, like you saw this year, Notorious, nobody really saw them winning the pro spot. Um, I think, I think throughout most of the season, people kind of saw them as like third, fourth place team until cup comes around and here they are and they did it. So like, Anything can happen. Those guys grind super hard. They come to fit pretty regularly. I know they play at Outlaw all the time too. Um, you know, so they deserved it and they earned it. And you can too. 
Absolutely. I mean, they had they had the opportunity present itself and they took it. Um, mm-hmm. I did a uh, post back in, I think, September or October, just kind of breaking down like the series standings because the NXL had changed their rules where um, like mm-hmm. the, you only took like the top four events finishes. Uh, and so doing those numbers, um, Blast Camp was obviously sitting in first place and all they had to do was uh, make the finals and the spot was theirs. Uh, fit was in second place. They had to beat blast camp by at least two spots, I believe. And in order to take it from blast camp and then notorious, uh, was sitting in third place. They had to, uh, just straight up beat fit and they would have won by one point, which is what ended up happening. But they also had to beat blast camp by, I, I think blast camp needed a quarterfinal exit for that to happen. And then, you know, they show up and blast camp doesn't make it out of prelims. So, uh, and notorious they that was their third finals appearance that year and they ended up winning it and winning the whole thing so uh big moments uh in in semi pro and anything can happen obviously any any given day with uh those teams like shoot blast camp went 2 and 2 in prelims uh for sure they um you know notorious seized the moment they they took their opportunity they made the most of it uh Blast Camp, if you look at their their uh, finishes, I think they did the same thing at the first event um, where they got like a 10 or 11 yeah, or got, something. They, they 10, didn't I make think. it very far. Yeah, and, you know, it's unfortunate because Blast Camp is probably the best team in that semi-pro division. Uh, but they're just inconsistent for whatever reason. Um, and that went to bite them in the butt there. Just right at the thing, end. I hope they stick around for another year. year. Yeah, Um yeah, they. I mean, they they won the Astro event last year with all those pro teams there. Like they're a good team. Uh, they just sometimes I don't know what they're. I don't know what goes wrong, but they just have bad layouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, same thing happened last year with Blast Camp. They uh, in the twenty twenty one season they got second place in uh, in Philly. They got first place in Chicago. Uh, Sunshine State Major first event of the year. They get thirteenth. Um. World Cup, they get ninth. So it's just for whatever reason they don't tend to play well in Florida. And same thing happened this year. That's interesting. And they didn't make the Florida connection. Maybe it's yeah. something like that. Maybe. But uh you know, Blast Camp, they I think they are obviously a really good semi pro team. There's obviously like top three being notorious fit Blast Camp. Blast Camp has also shown like in the Austria event they can beat pro teams. Um I'd say that Blast Camp probably has the highest highs, um, but if you you know if you're going to show up to World Cup and not make it out of prelims, then I don't know if you can say that oh they should have won it because they also got eleventh in the first event of the year. No, I totally agree, um, and I hope I hope they can stick around for another year. I hope they uh, that whole thing doesn't blow up in this off season. Um, I assume some of those guys are going to get picked off onto some pro teams. Um, so I just hope that there's enough of a core that they can, they can make another run at it. Cause they definitely, if they ever make it to the pros, like, uh, they'll, I think they would be able to hold their own and not just immediately relegate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you saw that, uh, Hoeg got, uh, picked up last year by aftermath. I hope mm-hmm. that, uh, that roster sticks together or they, you know, find an often, or find find a uh, an opportunity to buy a pro spot maybe from 
who knows? Like there might be a couple of sellers. You always hear that one of the Seattle teams is going to sell like uprising. Uh, you, you hear that rumor every, every year it never comes to fruition, but maybe this year, like I think that team can do well in pro. No, I totally agree. And that's true. You never know behind the scenes, what owner is looking to uh, offload their team. Um, and you're right. Yeah. You always hear something about one of the Seattle teams. Um, and you never know about one of some of these other teams, what's going on behind the scenes for their funding or whatever it is. Hmm. All right. Uh, so we've talked, you know, all about all of your different uh, stints with various, you know, with, with the AC program, with Diesel, with uh, going overseas with Amsterdam Heat, uh, playing in the ICPL and ICC with the AC Empire teams. Uh, so out of all of those uh, moments, what has been your favorite moment in your career so far? Favorite moment? I would say... Uh, the moment we won Dallas of 2019 semi-pro year with Diesel, um, that was a special win. Um, for whatever reason, it was just emotional. Everybody was in the pits, like, you know, your family, and uh, that was a good team. We had like the real core of Diesel at the time. It was me, Clint, Shorty, Ice, MJ, um, and those were kind of our five we were rolling with. Um, just good times, man. Those were good times. That was a good tournament. We finally overcame our semifinals hurdle um, and took it to the house. And we all could just feel it in the air uh, before that match. That was ours. That was a that was a very good event for Texas. Uh, you know, pro AC Dallas made the finals. I mean, that that was the event that they lost to the Russians in the finals. But you know, AC mm-hmm. Dallas in the finals after beating I think X Factor in the semis or either X Factor or Heat. Um, then semi-pro, y'all win. Division two, grit wins. Division three, paintball fit, four O's in the finals. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that goes to show the direction Texas has sort of gone these last 10 years or so. And, like, that's just, yeah, we are, we've done it, guys. Good job, everybody yeah. in Texas. For sure. And even, like, D3, D4, um, you've got um, Reed making the finals in D4. Uh, Victoria got third place. They ended up uh, disbanding later that year, but um, very good, very good event for Texas. Uh, even shut up or trying in D five five man, they got first place. So nice. That's probably near the beginning of them, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that might have. I think that was the year that they ended up winning in D five five man, and kind of their whole uh, program kicked off from there. Yeah, yeah, good for them. For sure. Uh so looking now to the present and to the future, like uh with Diesel, y'all started out hot in your first season in pro. You got fifth place at World Cup twenty twenty. Obviously, you know the whole COVID situation right after you uh start out um kind of threw off your you know, your beginning and what I thought was gonna be a consistent uh Sunday team. And y'all were Y'all had a lot of Sunday appearances and you had uh, even at fit, you had two pro teams playing out of the same field um, with both AC Dallas and AC diesel. Um, And y'all were just, you know, continuously playing against each other, seeing each other all the time, both in scrimmages and at the event itself. So did you ever have any thoughts during those years of returning to AC Dallas at any point or were you like just diesel all the way? Um, When I got, Dallas team had changed so much from when I had played on it to what it was um, when I came back into paintball. 
And a lot of the diesel guys, I was just closer friends with. Um, so that was the initial reason why I went to diesel, not only for like just my own development as like after taking a while off, not just stepping right into pro, um, but also the people on the team. So yeah, I think there was, there was no, uh, there was no worry about me going from one team to the another. Um, I was happy to just play with my friends on diesel. That was kind of how I wanted to get back into paintball was like find the fun side again. Um, so I was just good with playing my friends and that's still how I feel. I just want to play with my friends and have fun. Um, while there was both AC Dallas and AC diesel, uh, as far as like the coaching structure went, obviously you had spent all this time coming up under, uh, Greg Pauly's coaching. Um, was Greg heavily involved with diesel or was he pretty much just focused on AC Dallas and left AC diesel to the gel? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so when there was both teams, Greg was not coaching diesel. Um, it was, we were getting coached by gel, um, and ourselves. It was kind of like a collaboration with gel, keeping the organization and then drawing the plays themselves. Um, so yeah, Greg was just focused on Dallas, especially the final year when it was the fit guys, he was just really trying to work with them. Um, but since then, Greg has started to get more involved with us since now we're the only team. Um, so he'll work with us individually with gel, uh, still calling the, the sort of the team plays and drawing up the plays. Um, and Greg will give us specific advice on how to play the field. Um, so a little bit of both, I would say. But at the time, yeah, he was uh, he stuck with Dallas. And then there was a, you know, then transitioning to uh, get Greg back into the coaching with us took a little bit because we had kind of developed a system with Joe. Um, but I think now we've struck a good balance of uh, how we operate. Okay, gotcha. Um, so... Now looking to next season and into the future, uh, AC Diesel, they've had a couple of ups and downs with the roster over the last two years. Like you lost Zach Hill over to Impact um, after, you know, basically having him signed and then he was poached like a week later. Um, and then Clint Johnson had to take a leave. Uh, and now uh, Ben Challenger has become a free agent as well. So does Diesel have any uh, plans to reload their roster at this time? Uh, I'm sure we do. Uh, MJ handles most of that, and um, he just lets us know when he's picked somebody up or uh, what the plans are. Um, but I know he'll definitely fill out the roster. I mean, for example, we picked up one of the Shut Up, We're Trying guys, Logan Hansel, um, and he played well for us at Cup. Uh, so I'm sure he'll stick around on the roster for next year, and we'll work on developing him. Um, and then we'll also get Vass back. Um, we picked up Vass from Blast Camp at the beginning of this year, uh, but he had to have uh, surgery, so he's been out. But we should get him back for the start of next year. And then Clint's not entirely done. He'll come back at some point. Uh, we just don't know when that is. So we definitely have pending roster spots, and I'm sure MJ will make some moves. Gotcha. Uh, it seems like y'all have a pretty solid farm system there at Fit with uh, Shadow Trying. I mean, that's where Logan Dyer came from as well, originally with the uh, shut up in the TOG camp uh, coming up to mm -hmm. Diesel. So uh, if nothing else, you've got some uh, promising talent coming out of those squads. Right, totally. And I think, um, I think AC, we might even be uh, looking to make another feeder team as well. I'm not, I'm not positive on that, but I think there was some talk about um, trying to develop our own farm team so we don't have to be poaching people from other organizations like we didn't want to take hansel from shut up right before cup because you know he's been with that team that team needs him 
we're not trying to tear apart other organizations. It's not good for paintball. Um, so I think we definitely like to have our own system that we can pull from. Um, but every team at fits understands the opportunity and everybody was cool with what we did. Um, but you know, we'd rather not, we'd rather not have to push organizations around like that. Right. For sure. Uh, so how about, uh, for yourself personally, um, as, um, I know, are you getting close to finishing your clinical rotation and graduating? Yeah, I will graduate in April, um, April or May, but I start residency in mid June. So I think my plans moving forward is I'll probably play the first two events or whatever it is that I can squeeze in before June. And then uh, I already told MJ, I'm probably not going to be able to play much beyond that, at least for this year. Um, and I'm going to have to go from there and see how like my work schedule works out. But I think I'm not going to have a ton of flexibility, to be honest. Right. Um, so I want to make the most of the beginning of next season and just go from there. Gotcha. Well, uh, we're definitely uh, rooting for you. Uh, continuing, you know, at however however much time you got left, uh, we're we're excited to see you. I mean, you're uh, one of the better snake players in the in the league for sure. I thought. Um, especially at that first Vegas event where diesel turned pro, I thought you and BJ uh, as a, as a duo were playing the best out of any snakes I duo in that, in the league. Uh, so I'm uh, excited to uh, see that continue next year. Yeah. Thank you, man. Uh, I love playing with BJ. He's getting a little old now. He's, he's more than 40 now. <laughs> um, so, and he's kind of got a bad hamstring, so we haven't gotten a ton of uh, opportunities to play together, but. I do love that duo too. And I, I know what you're referring to. All right, man. So uh, before we continue, we got some questions in the chat. Let's see. We got um, from username, get me a course. Uh, what do you think about paintball <laughs> as a spectator sport, specifically when you watch a stream? Yeah, uh, that's a work in progress for us. Um, so recently, Go Sports was bought out by the owner of Impact, Bart. Um, and they're taking a lot of steps to make it better. I know he upgraded the cameras. And if you watch the last two events, you can actually see the streams of paint now, which is awesome. Um, and I know another thing they're looking at doing is changing the shell color to make it something that's actually going to be visible um, on cameras. So right now, yeah, as a spectator port, sport, it kind of sucks. Um, it's tough for me to get to my friends to, to watch because they don't. it's hard for them to know anything about what's going on. Um, but I think if we take some steps to help people visualize, like see the lanes and see how close it actually is when we're playing these spots, I think that would go a long way in making it more stimulating for people. But as of now, yeah, definitely work in progress. Yeah. Uh, I was curious that uh, they did the bright shell thing, I think in, what was it, Sacramento? And then at least at Cup, it seemed like they went away for it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think, I think what they were doing was they just tried it out in Sacramento and the deal with all the paint companies, it may not like start till next year or something. Um, Cause you know, you have to get everybody to agree. Um, and so that might just be something that they start at the new year. I hope at least we'll see. Gotcha. All right. Uh, another question uh, from Ashtray, uh, one of my teammates, Michael Lundgren on the Titans. Uh, his question is what is the hardest position on the field to play? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say it's totally field dependent. Um, it, it changes on every field. What's the hardest spot? Um, I think, so you always have a quarterback, right? A guy in the back that's kind of coordinating everybody else, making sure the strategy is in line. 
that's a tough position because it's so cerebral. You're making a lot of the the big kind of decisions and how the, the game is going to go for your team. Like, what are you going to attack? And then you've got the twos. Those guys are working one-on-one with the guy in front of them. Um, so I think those, those guys have a tough job too because they're sort of like the connections between the quarterback and the one. Um, so they have to be good listeners and then also good decision makers. And then the ones just have to be so technically skilled. Um, they're, they're definitely the most physically talented and the most athletic players on the field. So, I mean, yeah, I think those three broad jobs, they're each difficult in their own way. And I think as you develop through your paintball career, you'll find each job a different challenge and challenging in its own way. I think the natural progression is go from one to a two to a three. Um, so it kind of just depends on where you are in your paintball career um, for what's the hardest job for you. I think if you asked me eight years ago, I would say um, playing the snake was the hardest job. But now I would say it's more about making the decisions and making sort of the gameplay flow decisions is uh, the toughest job. Yeah, I think part of the that change as well is just how the field layouts themselves have changed. Like um, a couple of years ago, whenever they had these wide open field layouts where, you know, everybody is potentially getting shot off the break. Like running the snake is just like either you got the wheels or you don't. Um, and especially when, you know, back in 12, 15 balls a second, like you're, there are very few people are running that and making it. Um, so the field layouts nowadays, it seems like there's, uh, it's not just, Hey, you got the wheels. Cool. You win. You're in the snake. You shoot everybody. No, it's it's a lot more that that chess match that you were talking about where uh, like read and react, you know, uh, play calls and counter to play calls and things like that. Uh, So it seems like there's a lot more uh, ways to win nowadays. Yeah, it's um, as as kind of the years go on, I've noticed the field is sort of narrowing and narrowing. People can't make it wide um, on both sides. So you end up with this pocket game that is super strategic. Um, so everybody's kind of got to be critically thinking about what's going on. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting development in how paintball is sort of progressing is this, this super cerebral chess match, um, with way less like sort of physical skills that you're trying to have. Oh yeah. And I mean, not that these guys, as they're getting older, not that they're losing their, uh, physicality by any means. I mean, you still got Thomas Taylor running the snake. You still got, um, you know, Ryan Greenspan and Oliver Lang getting up the middle and uh, causing damage. Like all these guys in their forties, like even uh, Colt Roberts, like he's done that transition where going from one to two and now he's playing the three pretty consistently with X factor, but uh, he's still like going to the other team's snake wedge off the break. And uh, like at this, at this last event at world cup, you know uh, so it's not, not like the the physical abilities are slowing down any, but it's interesting to see that that transition from front to back. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not like you know. I think I think these guys have a lot of success. Sorry, let me let my dog up. Um, these guys have a lot of success still at their old age because they're able to think about the game. Like they they still have enough mobility to do what they need to do, um, but their success is really derived from how they see the game. For sure. All right. Uh, one last question in the chat. So uh, another one from Get Me a Course. He says, any advice starting out as an older player who wants to get into the tournament scene? Uh, find a group of guys you love to play with. Uh, I think that's step one. Find friends. Um, 
if you have a solid group of five guys that you just want to be friends with and want to hang out with, your play will just get better. Um, and, you know, it's sort of what we were alluding to earlier with building chemistry. Um, you can be old. Like, yeah, it doesn't – age isn't really – a limiting factor in paintball. I mean, like Dynasty is the most dominant they've ever been, and they're all over 40. Um, but they're successful because their chemistry is just so great. Uh, so find a group of guys you like um, and just play with them regularly. Uh, figure out communication. As an older guy, what you can really focus on is being great at communication and being great at organizing the game um, and being a good shooter. You don't have to do the mobility stuff. Send the young guys for that for sure. Um, but be the glue guy, be the chemistry guy. For sure. I mean, just step one, get out there on the field. Uh, yeah, fine. For sure. Um, and here in Texas, I'm assuming you're a, uh, local somewhere in the Texas scene. Like I've noticed in Texas compared to a lot of other scenes, like way more friendly with walk-ons, uh, where you'll just show up to a field and Hey, you don't have anybody to play with. Cool. Come hop in with us for this point. Uh, and I don't see that in other areas of the country. So uh, take advantage of that. And that's where you can, you know, make connections. Uh, like one of the guys on the Texas Titans, uh, Ryan Connors, I met him when he just kind of showed up randomly out of the blue uh, to outlaw. And we, you know, kind of played a throw together point together and we pulled off like a, a low body situation together. And then, I was like, hey, you want to come, you know, play on our team? And it turned into the I-35 All-Stars where he played an event out of nowhere. It's like, oh, I just came back and now I'm playing a tournament in two weeks. And now he's one of the core guys on the Titans. Yeah, that's sweet, man. You got, you're like, that's kind of fun. We just won. We won together. It's kind yeah. of fun. Want play with us? For sure. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I, I'm stoked to see what you guys are doing with the Titans and developing that. Uh, seems like you got a good group and a good organization. Oh, yeah. Um, and we, we appreciate you noticing that, uh, it's been, we're about to enter year three and I think we've had a, uh, decent amount of success across all of our divisions. Uh, just, we gotta For sure. really work hard now that we're pushing into D3, um, like full on. For sure. D3 is a grind year. Um, cause you know, after D3, you kind of have to, you either have to commit to the big jump. So, um, uh, like. The, the big jump to like national events only kind of thing because you just get limited. Um, so D3 is a big year to just become a really foundationally solid player. Um, but you guys got it. I know you guys work hard and play all the time. Um, so my best advice for any teams coming up like that, just stick together. Um, I hate to see teams get torn apart because they've got one or two really good players that go somewhere else. If you can, just stick together. It's going to be better for everybody in the long run. You're going to be happier, and you're going to do better. Well, appreciate that advice. Uh, so, Nathan, we're getting to the end of our time. Uh, this question I ask everybody that comes on the show. Uh, are there any individuals in Texas, either teams, uh, individual players, brands, local fields, or tournament series, or projects that have caught your attention lately. So is there somebody in Texas, if we don't know about them, who do we need to know about? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I don't, yeah, you know, I'm not the best to ask cause I don't get around the paintball scene a ton these days. Um, but obviously Logan Hansel's stud, um, you're going to see him now more on the pro field. Um, and I'm excited to see what, what, uh, what sorts of guys notorious fields. I know Mark Franz is great at finding talent. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see what their roster is. Um, but as far as like brands that I see that I think are awesome, enjoy paintball that Nico Hyde is doing. Um, that's a super awesome brand uh, with a super awesome person behind it. Um, and then also Astra uh, that Meter's been working on. I'm not sure what his plans are for the future, but um, I know he what he's doing is going to be super high quality. Uh, he cares about what that is going to be. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's just sort of the cool up and coming stuff in Texas going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Logan. Uh, you know, good on you getting your uh, – obviously, you're doing something right if a uh, pro team notices you, picks you up for World Cup as a pro debut. That's that's a hell of a leap. All right. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Um, he, uh, he, he, earned his, he earned his shot, and he took the most of it. For sure. All right. Uh, so, Nathan, uh, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any, like, last shout-outs or things you'd like to say before we sign off? Uh, shout out GP, shout out MJ. Uh, you guys keep the whole AC train running. Uh, we love you for it. Um, and thank you. Thank you for hosting this and thank you for spreading the Texas paintball word. Um, I think it's, I think it's awesome that this is happening and that you're, uh, just spending so much time and making this a quality thing. Thanks man. Appreciate it. I just, uh, I'm, I'm just here to get, uh, give everybody else the opportunity and the platform to tell their stories. That's it. I'm not. Uh, I'm obviously not thinking like I'm not the star of the show. I'm not uh, doing this for my own benefit at all. Just uh, trying to help others uh, spread their, spread their word, get their, get their name out. Yeah. I love it, man. It's a great thing we're doing here. Cool. Uh, so everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to go follow Nathan. That's at NatRob19 on Instagram. Uh, what other guests would y'all like to see on the show? Be sure to leave a comment down below, and while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. The show goes live weekly here on twitch.tv slash in the pits paintball podcast, and recordings posted to YouTube, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify the next day. Uh, shout out to my partners and sponsors, FU Athletics, Get That Shot, Paintball Kumite, and Compete. Uh, we will see you all next week for episode 24 with Hector Andrade and Rolando Lopez. Uh, they are the captains of Team Balls Out down in the valley. Uh, they've I've uh, been doing consistently well in the lower division, so we're excited to uh, talk to them and see what they got planned. All right, Nathan, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. See you guys.